Good morning. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I want to invite you to this special summer worship celebration. Ready Vacation Bible School friends? One, two, three. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. Yay! Our first lesson this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. The same thing occurred in Iconium, where Paul and Barnabas went into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who testified to the word of his grace by granting signs and wonders to be done through them. But the residents of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, the apostles learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued proclaiming the good news. In Lystra there was a man sitting who could not use his feet and had never walked, for he had been crippled from birth. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul, looking at him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said in a loud voice, Stand up, right on your feet. And the man sprang up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lycaonian language, The gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the um, chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates. He and the crowds wanted to offer sacrifice. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson picks up where the first lesson ended with Paul and Barnabas being worshipped as if they were Greek gods because they just healed a man. Listen for the continued word of God in Acts 14. I'll pick up with the end of verse 14, moving on through 21. Listen for the word of the Lord. When Paul heard of it, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why do you do this? We are mortals just like you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to follow their own ways, yet he has not left himself without a witness in doing good, giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons and filling you with food and your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they, the people, scarcely restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came there from Antioch and Iconium and won over the crowds, and they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples surrounded him, he got up and went into the city. The next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. 
After they had proclaimed the good news to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, then on to Iconium and Antioch. There they strengthened the souls of the disciples and encouraged them to continue in the faith, saying, it is through many persecutions that we must enter the kingdom of God. And after they had appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting, they entrusted them to the Lord in whom they had come to believe. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. When they had spoken the words in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed back to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had completed. When they arrived, they called the church together and related all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith for the Gentiles. And they stayed there with the disciples for some time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, a lot to unravel in that. So we are in a summer preaching series in the book of Acts. You have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the very next book is the Acts of the Apostles, almost as if the four Gospels are the stories of Jesus, and then Acts is placed there as a response. Okay, we've heard the stories, now what do we do? We go and do. Acts of the Apostles, not study of the Apostles, not even worship of the Apostles, not further contemplation on the doctrine that comes from the risen Christ of the Apostles, but the Acts. It's them doing, it's responding directly to what happened at Easter when Christ was raised. So the last few weeks, there has been a noticeable shift. God is doing something new and in new ways. So last week, we talked about Peter and Cornelius, a, a Gentile, a Roman centurion who was converted by God through Peter. The week before that, Connie Hippel's excellent sermon on Saul's conversion, the one who was the persecutor of Christians, to then who became the one to proclaim him risen. The week before that, we had the Ethiopian eunuch. An Ethiopian eunuch would have been barred from covenant life and the temple worship. And yet the Spirit sent Philip to him to explain the word of God as he was reading in Isaiah and then baptized him. So something new is happening, some in direct conflict with what the Pharisees and the Jews knew at that time for how God set things up early in the Hebrew Bible and our Old Testament. Things are changing. God is saying we are opening things up. It's not just the house of Israel. We are moving even to include in my kingdom who are inheritors of the risen Christ, my grace, my mercy, my love, my joy to all people because all people are my children. Yes, the house of Israel is still special, important, but now the word is being taken out, even to those whom were condemned or unclean or off limits from early understanding. So into this, we have Saul, who was converted, and into his ministry. So this is the first missionary journey. 
And while I'm explaining this part, I want you to think to yourself, what joy do you receive from your faith? What joy do you receive from your faith? What about your faith brings you joy? Just tuck that away as I explain a little bit. So Paul will have several missionary journeys that we'll look at the next couple of weeks. This is the first one. We are in Acts 14, and in 13, he and several others, including Barnabas, were ordained and set aside to go do amazing things for God. Ordination that we still claim for our, those who are called to lead and serve in the church. So Paul gets with Barnabas and starts this journey. Now, Antioch is where they start and where they end. It's through Syria. So, so if you see where Israel is in the Mediterranean Sea right there, Jerusalem, you just go straight north. Up through the Sea of Galilee where Jesus was from, up through Tyre and Sidon, up north into Syria, and even north up there is where Antioch is. It's where Paul and Barnabas begin. So they travel to the island of Cyrene right there, meet some people, talk about Christ, are challenged. They move on through different cities, through different places, all that we named this morning. They get to a point, we think this missionary journey took about two years-ish, give or take. Once they reach the end, then they go back, retrace their steps, reinforce the seeds that have been planted, and come back to Antioch to tell those who commissioned them all about what they had experienced. It's quite the amazing journey. And to paraphrase and give some overview to this, each step of the way they were challenged. They started at the synagogues to try to work with existing Jews of the day to convert them into Christians and begin and continue churches that had been started and that Paul and Barnabas are starting. So every time they go to a new place, they are seen as a threat because they're taking people away from the temple synagogue system. They are disturbing these faith communities by saying, there's something new and different we want you to experience. Jews and Gentiles alike, even though Gentiles were pagan, they still had their own belief system. And we know this because at one point, Paul heals a man who had been crippled from birth. And when he does that, and he is able to walk again, all the people there go crazy and call them Greek gods. Zeus for Barnabas, Hermes for Paul, a priest of Zeus goes and rounds up the oxen to come give sacrifices. And Paul and Barnabas said, no, 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 no. It's about Christ. It's not about us. We're just mortal like you. Just as Peter had to do when Cornelius came and worshiped him, Peter said, no, 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 you don't worship me. You worship the risen Christ. So this amazing journey all the way through, they fight those who are against them. They step into new places with this radical new message of a risen Christ, of a Messiah, and we're going to start a new group of believers, and we want you to come. 
So again, the battle between Jews and Gentiles, do you have to be a Jew first before you are now this new Christian? Last week, we also had Peter's vision of the the sheet of food that was once off limits. Now you can eat the hooved animals and other things that were once unclean. All of this is in debate and discussion. All of this, Paul and Barnabas trying to work out for a new community to take some Gentiles, some Jews, whoever is here and willing and will listen. And their words are passionate and inspiring. They are healing, they are teaching, they are drawing crowds. And not unlike Jesus, when he came and threatened the existing structure, they could not tolerate Paul and Barnabas taking their power and their people. So they try to stone them twice, execute them. First they hear of it and then they move on to the next city, to Lystra. And then they actually think that they have killed Paul. He has sustained some damage, some wounds. They drag him out to the city, they leave him there. Leave him for dead, but he's not dead. They surround him, and then it says the next day they moved on. So what's important about this part of our journey as it relates to Paul's? So number one, before Leslie even started in verse 14... Verse 52 of 13 says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And after Paul and Barnabas are trying to set them straight, who are considering them to be Greek gods, something I often am mistaken for myself, but also have to put people down. No, no. But he says, look, This isn't, this God that I'm talking about is the one and only God. Those that you worship are worthless is the the word that he uses. And he says, God has let you do your own thing for a long time. But even so, God's given you rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filled you with food and your hearts with joy. Even being non-believers and those who aren't even following, God is still there, loves you, and now it's time for you to come home, be a part of this family you were created to be. So joy comes up a couple of times in these passages. So I ask you again, what brings you joy about your faith? Turn to the person on either side of you That's right, that's right. And share one or two things about your faith that brings you joy. Go. Okay, keep that open, keep those conversations going. Because what one of the things this says to me is that literally the verse says the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. 
Why would you continue the journey if you did not have those things? Joy comes in many ways. It's not just jumping up into the sunset and holding hands and skipping with friends and happy, happy. That's a part of it. But remember, last year, as I know you do, we did a sermon series on joy, which also means that it is God with you no matter what. Even in the dark and broken places, even in the tragedies and the darkness of your life, the fact that you know that God, God's Holy Spirit, Christ walks with you every day is a source of joy even in your suffering. And it does include being filled, refreshed, revived by the Holy Spirit. Why would the disciples have continued if they did not experience and feel those things? Who wants a journey that is blah? Now, you may say, well, preach, I don't know that I've ever felt the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I've felt this joy. I'm here in worship because he, she, they make me. I don't necessarily connect with what's going on here, or I do. I'm not sure what this joy, this Holy Spirit is all about. We need to do something about that. The journey is not meant to be a black and white flat line that encompasses your faith journey, that typifies your church experience. This is one of Holy Spirit and joy. And if we're not there, we need to get there together through the power of the Holy Spirit. What can we do about that? Lots of things. The first step is for you to ask yourself, what am I doing to try to get in touch with that joy, that Holy Spirit? Am I trying? Well, I go to worship, preacher. It's on you. It's not on me. But that's a part. This is one contact with Christ and with God that you have. Directly, yes, worship is central and key and important. But it's only one piece. We should also be serving others in Christ's name in the community. We should also be learning and studying God's word, or we cannot grow. And that takes many forms, many shapes. From breakfast to circles to extra Bible studies inside and outside of the church, not limited to our church family. We need to be seeking the joy and Holy Spirit with everything that we do in every way that we are. And where the church falls short, we need to bring it up to not just par. We've had enough of par. It is time to excel. It is time to step out so others may know. Paul looked at this man who was crippled from birth. He listened to Paul, and Paul looked at him and could see that he had enough faith to be healed. Looked at him, didn't interact, didn't say, do you have enough faith to be healed? Didn't say, what's your background? What do you think about what I'm saying? He looks at him and can tell that he is receiving this message that Paul is lifting up. We need to be portraying those same messages in this church and in the community in the world. Only when our joy, only when our faith journey can be perceived by others in helpful, safe, and profound ways will others say, 
Something's going on there. I wonder what it is. Why is that person so faithful? Why do they go to church every Sunday? And for you to be able to say, it's where the joy in my life is. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not a biblical historian or scholar, but this is what I believe. That's my faith. And I derive joy. I derive passion, connectedness, relationship from God and from my church family, and hopefully then into the community. So seek that joy. Seek to be that crippled person who we may look okay on the outside, but we're spiritually crippled. We need to be open to seek that joy in spirit. Don't you want it? Don't you want it? Second piece is that Paul and Barnabas go together. It's not just Paul. Often we think of Paul on a solitary journey for these missionary journeys. And yes, he is the man, he is the one who is leading, but he doesn't go alone. We need to look at that. Yes, we are to have our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, of course. But we are not meant to travel this missionary journey that is our lives on our own. We are given special friends. We are given special communities inside the church and out. Family members who will be with us as we seek to live our faith, claim the joy, be filled with God's Spirit. Very quickly, in the, in the last week, my wife Vicki, my older daughter Ellie and I all attended what's called Presbyterian Youth Triennium. I talked about it a little bit last week. It is a, every three year, that's the tripart in Triennium, gathering at Purdue University in West Lafayette, Indiana. 4,500 youth and about 500-ish adults to celebrate being Christians for roughly a week. It was hot, and then it was hot. We had to walk. We were there in supportive capacities, Ellie as a participant. But to be in a room with 4,500 youth who are singing, who are proclaiming what they believe and seeking to figure out who they are, and we may think it was all lights and rock and roll, but their theme song for the week was Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Every day they took different pieces of it to talk about how to give their heart to God who will take it and seal it. It was a joy, and the Spirit was present. And they celebrated together from all over the country and some international youth that came as well. They're not on this journey of lo alone. Our Presbyterian denomination is a denomination of generally smaller churches. And for these youth in generally smaller churches to be connected with this huge youth group of thousands of people, it reminds them that they're not alone in their journey, that there are others who are in the same place, seeking in the same way. 
And for that week, they formed this new family of faith, and many of those relationships will be maintained. There was joy, there was spirit, and the understanding that they weren't alone in the journey. We need to remind ourselves that it's not all on our shoulders that we are to walk with others. That is the joy of a faith community. We cannot be Christians in isolation. I know, I know. Spiritual but not religious, all our friends out there, uh uh-huh. That'll get you to a point. But to grow and to be connected, we do so through community. Paul was all about establishing the community, not baptizing individual members and sending them about their business. It was all about community. And so today, again, we are being called to be that family of faith, that journeys with one another, that God is doing a new thing here to realize that and to seek the joy and spirit that maybe you're missing or maybe you're not. If you're not and you've got that and you can identify it, then we need to share it. And we need to come together to make this a place where we can celebrate with joy and with spirit. Again, not always high energy, happy, happy, but some of that, but a true connected family, not just that says hello on the weekends. We can put ourselves in the position, when was the last time you went to a movie? How well did you know the people in that theater after you saw the movie? You're all sitting there looking forward. Even if you went to see a movie at the same time every week with the same people. Hey, how's your popcorn? Hey, milk duds are good today. How's that cherry cup? Oh, it's good. Can't wait to see it this week. It's that same just shallow entry level, and it's a start. It's the first step as we greet and seek to know each other But the more that we can open ourselves to one another, the more that we can travel as Paul and Barnabas did, the more that we realize that we are colleagues and disciples on this journey together, not haphazardly thrown together, but placed for a reason. And the reason is our gifts and this special place. So let us go forth seeking joy in the Holy Spirit. Let us look to one another as those who were disciples on our own missionary journey, starting in this church to go out into our communities, our households, and the world. Hallelujah. Amen.